Okay, let's talk about the film itself. Um, what's the, how closely does it follow the story of Sam Berkowitz? It does not follow him. This film is a look at the stereo, the mayhem, the chaos caused by the evil deeds of David Berkowitz. How city can become terrorized. Terrorized. In this film, the 44 caliber killer, Son of Sam, David Berkowitz, is an evil cloud that hovers over, an evil presence that hovers over the whole film. And you see how this presence, combined with the record heat wave, made New York City, New Yorkers lose their mind mm -hmm. that summer. Rotten Rewind, we're a podcast that looks back on the films the critics shot in their car. They shot them <laughs> to death um, if a film fails to score above the 60% threshold on RottenTomatoes.com. We get to, to conjure its spirits to a dog here on this mm -hmm. podcast. I'm Max Rue. I'm Courtney Pronto. You sure are. We're still doing it. We're still in our tour misfires. We're at the very end of the 90s. This is the last 90s film. It's the tail end. It's a. Uh, it's. It, we're talking about a filmmaker that we we talked about a few months ago for the first time in a while. But he's he's the guy who started this podcast. We we originally yeah. talked about Spike Lee in our very first episode with I think arguably a bigger misfire uh, or quote unquote misfire for him. Uh, bamboozled, a more notorious kind of misfire. But Spike said, you know, he said he said he's had quite a few. I would say. Yeah, he has some yeah. rotten pictures. That's why I kind of like him. He just puts out a lot. I feel um, like there was like a time period too that is now ending that critics were like unfairly hard on him. I agree. And joining us, we have a returning guest. He has not been with us since we talked about M. Night Shyamalan, a very talented uh, a critic and the, and the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The What, Ryan Oliver. Thank you for returning. Thank you for having me. I'm just, I'm here because my dog told me to. He said, you got to go on rewind. <laughs> That's why we podcast. Courtney's dog Topper has been telling her to podcast since 2020. She's <laughs> haunting her right now. That might be worse than telling someone to go out and kill people. Is a dog telling you you should start a start podcast. a podcast? You should definitely <laughs> start a, a podcast. Um, it's definitely the 21st ver century version of telling your dog telling you to go out and kill yeah. somebody. No. <laughs> no. Just Let's sweating profusely in your apartment while some dog is like, "You should talk about film." on a podcast <laughs> okay you should talk about come online oh yeah sure you should charge people on a patreon to hear you talk about <laughs> come <laughs> yes sir well we'll have some come here for this yeah. movie oh god so. <laughs> yeah yeah we're talking about 1999 summer sam uh, another film this has just been like an uh, another a back-to-back -back thing we talked about wolf last week this was another movie that really terrified me as a kid even though i had not it scared seen me too it. it's not a scary movie but when you're young how old are you ryan 33 i'm 35 and then like when this movie came out i remember it was this summer when i was turning 11 and i just remember seeing the tv like the commercials on tv a lot and yeah. it was just like always open with like the shots of him just like shooting people in their cars. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, um, that was fucking horrifying to me. I was like, I guess people just walk around shooting people in their cars. That's good to know. 
Thank God. Well, and I do um, think it was marketed maybe a little bit more as like a serial killer movie than. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that kind of goes into the vitriol of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in, absolutely. In a certain does. way, because people were expecting probably seven or something along those lines and then get closer right. to like a do the right thing redux by way of Scorsese. And people were just, they're yeah. like, I didn't expect that. And they were just, they were mad about it, which also fits into the thesis of this movie of just being mad and fearing something you don't understand. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, so sure. kind of, kind of fits. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, 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 I feel like it was like this in the two thousands, we, you know, we got the black Dahlia and Zodiac back to back. And those were both movies that, had a little bit less to do with the actual um, killer than maybe audiences thought they were going to. The Black Dahlia. I think the Black Dahlia ended. ended up being less about the killer than the Black Dahlia thought it was going to be. The Black Dahlia was a love triangle. <laughs> and uh, the Black Dahlia got like the Pearl Harbor treatment with Josh Hartnett too and everything. Yeah. They were like, well, let's do a love triangle surrounding the murder of this woman. But Zodiac obviously was the most like successful, even if it wasn't you know financially that successful. It, it also probably is the most exclusively about the case. Yeah. Has, has anyone ever seen the Korean movie Memories of Murder? By yeah, oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I kind of feel like that that also like vibrates in the same vein as more, I guess, maybe more Zodiac, but yeah. Sure. Is, is Memories of Murder based on a real killer? Yeah, it is. It's actually okay. based on the first documented uh, Korean serial killer, I think. There weren't that many, yeah. There tends to be booms in serial serial killings, like when there's like a woman's movement in a culture. So, like where we had, I, I know where Sick. we had a bunch in like the seventies and like sixties and seventies, like Korea's ten years later in the eighties. Well, gotta start shooting. Yeah, <laughs> the women are gaining too much power. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go out and do crime sprees. What other serial killer movies have we covered on the podcast? I'm trying I mean, to probably a lot. You would. Well, we haven't so. done Bone Collector yet. No, we've been saving the best for last. The Bone Collector. Another 1999 serial killer movie. Our listeners have been begging us for years. Please, for the love of God. Please do, do the, the Bone bo- Collector. Please do Philip Noyce's The Bone Collector. I'm looking now. So I guess some of those erotic thrillers like dabble in it. Yeah, I was going to say the erotic thrillers are kind of serial killer movies. Like you could say Basic Instinct is about a serial killer. But really, she's just slain. Yeah, but really, she just, <laughs> she's just a slay. It's more of a slay. In the Cut is a serial killer. Oh, yeah, duh. Um, in the cut is a, but obviously not as much. We did Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Okay. Okay. Um, no, also, again, like not really. He's just having fun at the hotel. He's just, he's just getting into some he's just chilling. fun. Yeah. We haven't done, I mean, like more like a straight up, like one of these or like a seven or something like that. Oh, we did the cell. Which is, oh yeah, we did the know. cell. So this and the but there's they're still kind of weird serial killer movies. Well, the cell, yeah, because it's we're we're going into the mind of a killer. We did saw that he listen jigsaw. That's a serial G- jigsaw's killer. a killer. Or no, isn't the whole thing that he's never actually killed anybody? We didn't he just gives it. them the tools to do so, yeah. or just puts them in the situation. <laughs> it's don't. I'm not. I'm not advocating on behalf of it. I'm just <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen, I didn't kill. You. I just put you in the trap. You did. Exactly. Death yourself, man. Like I'm innocent. So I put you in like a really fun room, and you did. <laughs> yeah, he was like Manson in that way. He was like, "Listen, I gave I you say, the yeah. tools." He's like, "Trust Manson." But like, sure, you guys already got your tickets for Saw X. I, I assume. Oh no! I actually <laughs> just watched the trailer for it last night because I didn't know it was coming out. And Nick has been watching the Saw sequels, which has been making Why? me like morbidly curious. Why? Is he okay? Oh, Nick, I stopped at Saw Two. I didn't go any further. There, yeah. But I forgot that the second one is just Donnie Wahlberg as a cop who whose like wife won't let him see his kid and he's like i gotta stop this fucking serial killer my wife won't let me see my kids like, ends <laughs> with a mud vein song i do remember oh, that that's perfect. wow that, i mean that's par for the course of the era if it didn't end in a new metal song then what, yeah, what you're right. i don't care 
if we had a serial killer for like the new metal era and we did like a summer sam about them like i guess the whole soundtrack yeah would be mudbane and and uh any corn from, and- from ozvest i say that because nick and i actually just watched a documentary about ozvest the other night that penelope serious directed that we had no idea existed oh that's dope i had no idea about that either it's pretty wild but yeah summer of sam spikes 90s he has a pretty great little run there mm-hmm. you get mo better blues at the beginning of the decade which see i think know, that one's overrated not my favorite. oh interesting i like mo better blues quite a bit but um, well, that that's the one that has the accusations of anti-semitism right I oh, it does? So. Yeah, I, I think it so. does. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a good movie. Like, I, I get the... It's so, like, a little sleepy for me. Denzel's great in it. Anything more yeah. like Denzel is going to be great. Um, Jungle Fever, the one that you like that I don't like. See, Oof. I love Jungle Fever. Oof. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I dislike it, but that ending really ending's destroys. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I don't. I see no problem with it. Oh man, I like wa- the first time I watched it. I'll never forget. I was sort of like waffling back and forth, and I was like, "Okay, I think I'm on board. I think I'm on board." And then just it's a just lot of spike movies. Yeah, that one's like, fresh, right? It is. It's like eighty percent. It's a high fresh one. Yeah, I, uh, I I really like Jungle Fever in it, and it the ending doesn't bother me. I like that the price of dick suck goes up throughout the course of the movie it's <laughs> inflation is real when it, on when the dick sucking market sucking yeah dick. i like it malcolm x obviously is yeah incredible i'm not crazy about crooklyn me too i was gonna say oh. mo better and crooklyn are just a little sleepy for me man like courtney are just at odds this one i look crooklyn might yeah. be a top five spike interesting okay. i know that yeah. it's like really beloved and i yeah it, it is one that i want and i don't like dislike it i just mm-hmm. i think i like him when he's like being a little bit more bombastic like in like malcolm x are here and then like when does he do uh fucking clockers clockers is right after crooklyn. year after that. yeah love, see love that clockers. see clockers, clockers is great clockers has some of the most insane needle drops in any spike lee movie like it'll be like a really gritty scene and he's like just play seal (laughs) just fucking drop a drop a seal track on in there i Um, think clockers (laughs) and this kind of like have a relationship in the sense that like your narrative center is like constantly sort of like shifting yeah, I mean, I think like that. And then Get on the Bus is after Clock. Was another oh, one. I love I, Get on the I, Bus. I, I haven't seen Get on the Bus. I got to watch it. It's good. It's fun. It's, yeah, it's really good. Like, it's very slight, but that's part of the the, the, right. the joy of it, in my opinion. Uh, it's yeah, it's like his just, son's before series. Like, it's like yeah. just a bite, but it's really good. Andre Broder is like phenomenal in the movie. Yeah. And then Girl 6, we covered a few months ago. That's, you know, the same year as Get on the Bus. And then He Got Game, which I love. He Got Game. Jesus, I love He Got Game. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah, he got game, and then he follows. He got game with Summer Sam. Follows that up with Bamboozled and Twenty Fifth Hour. Wow. The, I think the Twenty Fifth Hour in this movie have actually more in common than I realized oh. when I watched it oh. this time. Yeah. Not only that they're the movies that he did about white people. I was um, gonna say because <laughs> white people are acting crazy. <laughs> well, also the sort of pre and post nine eleven of it all mm-hmm. too, as well as something to, to to take into consideration. Because I thought about Twenty Fifth yes. Hour a lot in regards yeah. to this one and how sort of you know just the the sort of melancholy in new york at the time i felt like we're fitting right. even though you know this is calling back to 77 but it just it felt like a good like bookend and i didn't have time to rewatch 25th hour but i really wanted to because i'm like yeah. damn i haven't seen that in a long time yeah, yeah it's like how a, how a crisis affects a neighborhood and and um, you know or an entire city obviously i mean i guess that's the big question is like what was worse for new york the son of sam or 9 11 um, <laughs> Someone well, you, you want to know hard. something really fucking dark? Uh, I live with a seven year old and he's really into like the Titanic and stuff. And so there's these kid book series called I Survived, and it's like I've survived a shark attack. Is there I one survived about Son of Sam? The, there's one of 9 11. There's I, one of 9 11. And I, I was just like, what? I volunteered. I was, 
through work and it has like a book buddy thing to help kids pick out like books of the book fair uh, and like uh, read it to them and i saw that on the table and i was like <laughs> I no i think we should get it for jake <laughs> like i'm not kidding oh, that's a good idea it's that's like a five dollar nice book idea. apparently they're very popular because the, i survived that shelf the attacks was... of September yeah 11. did mark that, Wahlberg write this yeah i know right <laughs> that shelf was swarmed with kids like kids are like re- kids love these the series i heard the cutest little girl and the cutest little girl voice just rattle off the titles of like nine of them and in between she was like i survived 9 11 and i was like what the fuck i think when you were a kid i mean i remember when titanic came out and i was a kid i was really i did get really into titanic there's something about like disasters or something where like you can't quite grasp the full impact of it all where you're kind of like interested in it i mean i think i had like a similar thing yeah when i was a kid with like true crime stuff and serial killer stuff because i know my mom was into that stuff so like yeah I think that's why Summer of Sam, even though it was like freaky to me, like it still attracted me. Like I was still very like drawn to it and wanting to see it. I did not see it until I was a teenager. I don't know. For me, it's like it's so fascinating to think about like being in like a specific place in time and like what that felt like and to and, be immersed in like that chaos of it all. And for people our, our age too, I think that like it seems like an entirely different era than we've ever experienced, but it's really not that long before we were born. But it just feels of... It like feels a, so much long. Like it feels a lot. so long ago, but yeah. I, it wasn't. It was just like less than 10 years before we were born. And I think that like what the movie explores about how the son of Sam, because it could be anybody, anyone that is considered like a subversive character is like that's who the son of Sam is. Son of Sam is whoever you hate the most in your neighborhood. Yeah. Like, um, I don't like that fucking guy's <laughs> shoes. He's a fucking shoe. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's the son of Sam. You dance so great tonight, baby. Ah, because you're beautiful. New York City, 1977. Is that Richie? Is that guys? You come back to the neighborhood looking like a freak. You're supposed to be okay with that. A time of endless possibilities. You want to be my dog? A naughty girl. And serial hysteria. Double homicide. Police received a letter from the 44 caliber killer calling himself the son of Sam. What, what happened? I just saw the body. I am the monster. Beelzebub. <laughs> In one hot summer. He's a victim six and seven. In one neighborhood. Vinny saw the dead bodies last night. Saw the bodies? Between friends and lovers. The son of Sam Killer, who has been targeting young women, has caused panic-stricken brunettes to dye their hair blonde. I feel like I'm cheating on you with you. It's a blackout. We understand that the lights are out. Just stay in your house, lock your doors. City that never sleeps has come to a standstill. I know who the killer is. Reggie Jackson. What kind of guns did the killer use? 44 caliber, right? What's Reggie's number? 44. Touchstone Pictures presents. Everybody's got two personalities, man. A Spike Lee joint. Son of Sam, come and get me! John Leguizamo, Adrian Brody, Mira Sorvino, Jennifer Esposito, and Ben Gazzara. That psycho is gonna have no place to hide. In 1977, the summer belonged to Sam. It's a simple story in a lot of ways. It's a very large, sprawling, I would say messy story of a lot of different people and how they're impacted by the son of Sam in the summer of 1977, which also was the summer that had record heat waves in New York. And it mostly focuses on on two childhood friends, Vinny and uh, and Richie, played by John Linguizamo and Adrian Brody. 
Adrian Brody coming off the thin red line right before the penis. Adrian Brody giving, like I was describing just like his character's like scaffolding to, to somebody and they were like, wait, what? <laughs> he is Italian in the movie, but in the movie he pretends like he's British and that- Only very is, sparingly. But like his first his first few scenes, he's like- Oi there. I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pete Townsend. It's, it is it's so It's a horrible funny. accent. But like if your boy showed up in a British flag t-shirt with Liberty Spikes, just being like, I there. You yeah. like, what the fuck? Just this guy that you've always grown up with. Yeah, like, dude, I don't really want to hang out with you. Like, listen, I get right. that. I would be not because I think you're weird. I would just be like, uh, don't do the accent. I don't right. really care about the other stuff, but like, I don't so they like, like grow up in like this like <laughs> Italian American community, and Leguizamo becomes more of like a. I mean, he's married, but he's sort of a womanizer, and a. I think that his character is sort of referencing shampoo. He's like a slutty hairdresser. He's yeah. working class shampoo. Yeah, he's just like a really slutty Italian man who just fucks. like cheats on his wife. That character is fascinating to me. He's that so character much more is fascinating to me. To me. Like this time, I me guess too, that, me too. that part was supposed to be played by Michael Imperioli, who co-wrote it, and he oh. had to duck out because of The Sopranos, and instead just showed up to I think give the worst performance in the movie besides Spike Lee as a cowboy. Oh, I was going to mm-hmm. say, we'll get to Spike's performance like at some point. Yeah, oof. listen, but Spike's yeah. not always a good actor. <laughs> but this might Spike be... is like if Tarantino didn't learn that he shouldn't have bigger than right. like one scene in a yeah. movie. I think it's kind of funny here. Yeah. It's like, it, I think it's, it's played it, for laughs, so I'm going to give it a And sparingly, when he goes in interviews in, in the neighborhood, being like, I thought you didn't like black people. Yeah, it's like, 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 okay, like... moving on. But yeah, Michael Imperioli was supposed to play the part, I guess, which is interesting. And then at one point, I guess... I couldn't get too much verification on this, but it, there was a couple things I read that said that originally the studio wanted Leonardo DiCaprio and Benicio no. del Toro to play the leads. I do think Uh-oh. Benicio del Toro would have been really fascinating as 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 uh, Richie. Everyone, knows I think that Adrian I'm a- Brody got the right. He, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, and but, everyone knows that I'm a Leguizamo girly, but I actually think that like his short stature like adds something to the yeah. the movie. I think that like what the movie is trying to articulate about like his own sexuality and masculinity is like heightened by the fact that like Lee does not like put him on big shoes and stuff when he's dancing. Like he is shorter than his wife in the movie. He's played, played by, by Mira, Mira Servina, who I think is great in this. Oh, I think she's, she's fantastic. Incredible. So good. Yeah. Her heel turn after the orgy scene uh, is like, just like one of my favorite like sequences she's incredible. in the movie. Like, she's like just really good in this. So good. I mean, the whole thing is like, they're a young Italian couple who are very religious and that like, she's more, I think religious and he's kind of, dabbling in I think it when it suits him he, yeah well he's like the classic well, i think he re- believes misogynist in it. That, yeah kind of like where he's has a very telling you know line that we'll get to later but yeah like the whole thing of him just being like i'm cheating on my wife but the whole movie he's just like i'm cheating on my wife and like i think i gotta stop because there's there's a killer out there and i think it's a sign that i gotta stop cheating and he <laughs> thinks the things that he wants to do sexually with his wife is a sin but it's mm-hmm. okay to be doing with other women to, it's okay to, to do it with bb no yeah you know? do but like fucking 69 else. like all that <laughs> <laughs> you just said shit you don't do with your wife you know i love that yeah when he's talking to adrian broden he's like i've been doing bad things like butt fucking doggy style 69 <laughs> he's he's great yeah we listen anyone who listens to the podcast knows that we we love john languizamo we're big fans i don't know i just feel like if he was his age or here today like he would be like up there like i think he would get better roles i would fucking hope so i mean although who knows man i mean like Look at like Michael Pena, but Mike, Michael Pena is more. I was like, gonna I say guess. Michael Pena is in no way near 
like was I'm just saying Michael Pena is a really good actor who did not has Michael Pena ever been like funny funny like I just think that like almost like I think he's absolutely very funny observant or bored I know I just think of like like Wazama is so much more of like also like a writer like I just think that he's more of like a He's a totally, I just mean in that like Latino actors who have not really gotten a fair shot at having leading roles. Okay. And um, yeah, I mean, like Wazama, like he's a stand up. He has, ca- I always forget Casualties of War was his first big movie in 89. Mm-hmm. I also just think Wazama is a lot hotter too, you know? And that's why he deserves more success. No, I'm just Absolutely. saying no, like, I, I think that I would, I would say like maybe he could get to like Riz Ahmed or like Steven Yeun status as far as like BIPOC actors uh, working in Hollywood sure. because he he has those cheekbones, baby, you know? That's true. He and did win lips. an Emmy for something. Thing, didn't he he's oh uh, it was like a mini series i can't yeah. remember exactly what but i, I know he and he, he just always holds it yeah. down like he's always good in things like probably like my first exposure to him was romeo and juliet where he's the bad guy and he's, our, yeah, he's an incredible was, yeah. bad guy you know we did two wong fu he's he was oh, our mvp so for that. That, that that's maybe my favorite uh. performance of his but he's he just like listen he's good in chef He's good in John He is good Wayne. in Chef. He's good yeah. in Ice Age, even. I, I will go to the... bat for the first Ice oh, Age. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I think the Ice Age franchise is probably fucking keeping his pockets filled. He's fucking 63. It's crazy. We get to cover him a lot. The Happening. <laughs> we did. Oh, yeah, we got to happening. talk about it. Last time you were on, we talked about like. Oh, my God. Next time you do like Zamo, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you can come back for Empire, co-starring Fat Joe and uh, <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard. Have you seen yeah. Empire? I've not seen Empire. It's actually just like a pretty simple, like post Carlito's way, like rising your way to the top, like gangster story with Leguizamo. He's very good in it. It's him and and Eva Mendes. And um, Peter Sarsgaard plays this like this slick, like Wall Street asshole who basically like puts him up and then fucks him over. And there's this like a confrontational scene between them. And Peter Sarsgaard just screams at him. He's like, why don't you go back to your ghetto? It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Have you guys done Spawn? As far as Legozano? No, we got to do Spawn. <laughs> do I would spawn. do Spawn. We should also note that uh, Richie's romantic partner is played by sort of like an underutilized actress today. Oh, yeah. Jennifer yeah. Esposito. Yeah, Jennifer Esposito. Who's sort of like a girly back then. She was sort of like in things. Like, she's Dracula great. Dracula 2000. I love her plot arc here. Like, she was just like a disco bitch. And like, she sees Richie's like makeover and she's like horny for it. Yeah, she's kind yeah. of like, I'll just kind of reinvent myself with you. Really cutty. So, I mean, just staying on Legozano for a second so carlito's way and super mario brothers in 93 that was like a big breakout year for him he's so good in carlito's way 95 so 95 has a movie that i saw when i was a kid and i have no recollection of it but i it's a very specific movie called a pyromaniac's love story don't know it it's him and william baldwin are the leads I'm very curious to revisit it. It has a 0%, I want to say. But what? I saw that movie in theaters <laughs> with my dad, and I don't remember it really. And then, yeah, 96 is The Fan, Executive okay. Decision. That was actually, I think Executive Decision was actually my first introduction to Leguizamo. Okay, I haven't And I remember seen thinking it. he was really cool in it. It's a Kurt Russell action movie. Okay. Um, I've actually never seen Executive You haven't decision. seen Executive oh, No, man. I know it's it a big blind spot. It's kind of I, a, like low-key 90s banger. It's like when there was just like anonymous Middle Eastern terrorist action okay. movies and they hijack a plane and Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal lead a team with that also has John Leguizamo on it to go on it and like reclaim the plane or whatever. It's pretty fun. That's the movie where Leguizamo and Steven Seagal like got into like a, a fight. Over what? Uh, because my was just like this dude sucks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that probably is just as simple as that. That I would have yeah, guessed yeah. that yeah, he was like, like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah. No spoilers. I I haven't seen the movie, but I know the fate of a, a particular character, and that was of part Zagal? of the yeah, why. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not in it very long. And then and then Romeo and Juliet at the end of the year, which I 
man, him and Harold Perrineau, I still, they're Those so are, fucking good. They're so good movie. in that movie. He's unbelievable in that. 97 is not a great year for him because he has the pest and spawn. Let me show you how annoying I could be. <laughs> but you they know just what? let him Listen, do it. They're just like, I was going to say, rip. at least like he got to do something so weird that people still remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. You well, can't forget like, the opening credits of the pest. Yeah. And I love Michael Jai White, but he's just got nothing to work with in that movie. So Luxamo's doing all the like heavy lifting mm-hmm. to he's, make yeah. those scenes work. And even if they don't, he's certainly trying. And that's yeah. admirable. And then like after that, it's kind of like Moulin Rouge, like Lerman, you know, cast him again. And then Empire, he does Spun, which he's really great in. Oh, and yeah. then he's but got he kind the of Ice like Age franchise recedes into the like the fourth build. Lead. They're like, no, I guess you're not doing what we want you to do. So we're just going to kind of throw you into, I don't know. And he makes them interesting, but like, yeah, he's always great. He's, he's always, always under- great. Yeah. I mean, this was like what I think it was really just like this and Super Mario Brothers were like big lead roles for him at the time. And then, yeah. And then Adrian Brody is just coming off the thin red line and has all this heat around him as like the next big thing. And then between, I think it's like between this and The Pianist, he's doing really interesting, great stuff. And then he wins an Oscar. And then they're like, why don't you do really bad movies now? I know. <laughs> and he's like, you dare me? Um, <laughs> you dare me to ruin my career? You know, Adrian Brody still does good stuff. It's just. Oh, yeah. He's always good in everything that he does. Yeah. It's interesting for a guy who is apparently like really picky. It's interesting to see him like do some of the movies that he does. Well, I mean, he does The Village where he goes full retard and then. <laughs> And Splice is so weird. Oh my Splice. god! Splice. Amazingly not rotten. <laughs> I forgot King Kong. Yeah, That's, oh, that in the he's good in King Kong. Or the too. big post Oscar movies. Well, and the Wes Anderson movie. Well, then yeah. yeah, then he starts working with Wes Anderson, and then it's like, okay, I'm going to do a Wes Anderson movie, and then in between that, I'm going to do five straight to VOD movies that you know Nicolas Cage or Bruce Willis could have starred in, but some right. other with me. He does the jacket, which I don't really remember, but I remember, I remember. not hating it. Hollywoodland. Oh, God. I I didn't like it at the time. And now movies are so whatever that maybe I'd be softer on it. (laughs) That's how bad movies are now. Maybe Hollywood Land is great. (laughs) (laughs) What if Hollywood Land was tight? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Hollywood Land feels like a movie. Uh, Yeah, wow. Um, The Brothers Bloom. Oh, I dislike that movie. I wasn't a fan of it at the time. It's like, yeah, I think Ruffalo's really good in it. But then, yeah, he starts just doing weird shit like Splice and um, Predators. He does. That's right. He's the lead in Predators. That's sick, though. Um, I actually like that movie. It's like one of the few Rodriguez projects. Nimrod on Tall is not that bad. He's kind of a cool director. He's a good journeyman. He, He does the job and does it fine. Yeah, Darjeeling, which I think he gives the best performance. And I think yeah, easily. Midnight in Paris, he plays. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Does he play it again? He plays. Um, Dal- Savio, Dali. Salvador Dali. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets like a fun little cameo in that. That was, I feel like, him coming in to do a big cameo, and then everyone was like, "Oh yeah, Adrian Brody, you are." Mm-hmm. Good. And then he follows up the goodwill of that with a movie called Inappropriate Comedy which is where he plays a gay, dirty Harry. It's basically no. like a scary movie no. spoof. Oh, it's no. that, is that where app is capitalized? Like yes. in app appropriate? Oh, it was God. the one directed yeah. by the ShamWow guy. Remember that guy? That he used guy. his ShamWow money to direct a movie called Inappropriate Comedy with uh, Rob Schneider, Adrian Brody, and Lindsay Lohan. And Adrian wow. Brody, I don't know how he got involved in this movie. Well, yeah, He plays filthy harry that's his name in the movie and i don't know if you remember the trailer for it but his no. his catchphrase instead of make my days he points a gun at someone and says go ahead make me gay 
You're lying. I'm not even fucking joking. It's horrible. And the whole trailer <laughs> is just clips of him just basically like making like gay jokes and like everyone being like, I think Dirty Harry's gay. Go ahead. Make me gay. Oh. I don't know. It's horrible. And then, yeah, all the Wes Anderson movies. And then in between all the Wes Anderson movies is movies like Bullet Head and American Heist and Airstrike. Where you're just like, what are you doing? What are you doing, buddy? So he did a couple of episodes of Succession, though, didn't he? In the third yeah, season. He yeah, he did. And he was in like the first episode of that Poker Face show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he's good in it. I thought yep. that show, like, it wasn't for me, but he's really good in it. Like, he's good. But sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Like, did you put your hand into a hat and pick out? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he had like the post like Oscar, like career of like Cuba Gooding, where it was just like, how can we sabotage this? Cuba Gooding is like a, like, wasn't he? Didn't well, he he's also... like me, too. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it, doesn't he also have some? Yeah. And Adrian Brody also yeah. had that horrible SNL episode. Remember? <gasps> oh, I do like, remember. He's like in dreads and he's like, yeah, yeah shop all big up. <laughs> I forgot all about that. But at this point, he's the guy from the Thin Red Line that thought he was the lead um, and went to the premiere and found out that he wasn't the lead. <laughs> In and this movie? All of, oh, no, in, in, in Ben Red Line. Didn't that happen to like I, three different actors on that movie? It uh, did, yeah. Jim yeah. Caviezel ended up coming out on top and he's still on top, obviously. <laughs> Got that sound of freedom money, I guess. I didn't say, well, yeah, that one. Well, I guess it kind of happened with this two where they were supposed to be co-leads and Languizamo ended up being the lead in post when they were cutting the movie because the movie was such a fucking mess that... Spike Lee was letting them improvise in every scene, which I think you can tell because there's a lot of scenes where there just seems like people are like, fuck, you know, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This has one of the highest fuck counts in the movie. Like if you go I to think Wikipedia, at the time it broke a record, it was like 435 F. Oh, really? It was yeah. Casino, I think that Maybe. was like the record holder. And then, yeah, which makes sense. And then in Summer Sam topped it. And then I think. There's a documentary called Fuck, which is at the yeah, top. Yeah, and as yeah. far as like, okay. but but as far as good. narratives, I think Wolf of Wall Street might have beat this. But like, okay. but for a long time, Summer Sam had the highest amounts of fuck in a yeah. movie. There's a lot of fuck in this movie. And fucking. In this and movie. fucking. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of fucking. This movie's shot by Ellen Curris, who's also a director, who's also a really good DP. She shot Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. This movie looks great. I love the look of yeah, 90s Spike Lee movies. Spike Lee's a guy who should not shoot on digital. But Ellen Curris... She shot this in Bamboozled. Um, mm. She shot some stuff, other stuff from Michelle Gondry. She's really dope. It's a it's a great movie. It's very like it definitely feels like the era, unlike a lot of other yeah. movies that tried to be in that era. Um, it, it definitely makes you feel like you're kind of a fly on the wall at times, and you're just and like of- that's the other thing that this movie does is like it's sort of like in this little cluster of movies that are kind of like disco adjacent. Yeah, it's like, that- it's like somehow trying to like grab on to like two genres that it refuses to actually latch to, and like one is like the yeah. '70s disco d- genre, and one is a serial killer. And I think that like that is really one of the things that I've always like liked about this movie a lot because then it ends up just like exploring everything yeah just like how like how pressurized the city felt this summer because i also think it's like referencing i mean riff but like cruising a little bit when it comes sure, to, i can see oh, a little yeah i think that richie and Vinny's relationship is so interesting because like even though 
I, I love Vinny's character because, like, even though he's like a total piece of shit to his wife and like truly like a, a bad guy to his wife, he yeah, like that one scene in the car, which is an incredible scene. He's like so fucking despicable. But then when it comes to like his boy, he actually like even though he's like being shunned and like eighty six from restaurants for just like having weird hair, like he actually does like come through sometimes or tries to until he tries to. He definitely he, he really tries. does yeah. try to see his friend. Like he doesn't he doesn't see like the weird makeover. He sees like his lifelong friend but like they're in the, these positions where Vinny can't fuck his wife in the same like in the way that he wants to get fucked and Eater and Brody's character has to like turn to sex work in order to like fund getting out of the city and like getting into like a place that because yeah. because like because the son of Sam especially the way that, that he's depicted in this movie was like a lover's lane killer like I I think that like it's supposed to make sex acts like frightening and the people who are involved in them look like potential like victims and so once right. richie starts being fucked and like not just like the fuck the fucky like i think that like it puts him like this realm of like possible victim oh yeah that's like total slasher movie tropes of like oh you fuck mm-hmm. then you're you're you know dead but then whether that was art imitating life or the other way around i'm not 100 percent sure with like halloween coming out a year after this movie was set um but oh, yeah. i don't know what the you know this sort of terror has now come to you like i think all of that like sure. fits in with this for sure and i love the detail about because like you know hitchcock I think probably lied and said that he shot blondes because like they their hair showed up better on screen but like classically like you know the victim is like a a little blonde girl and like here uh he's like killing mostly brunette people so women were like dyeing their hair blonde and wearing yeah. long wigs etc like I love Esposito's like line delivery of a blonde me <laughs> she's yeah. like yeah. <laughs> yeah or I love the scene when Mir Servino does it and like mm-hmm. he can't even though like was almost pretending that she's a different person and you mm-hmm. know he can fuck differently and fuck I guess supposedly yeah. better or the way he wants to fuck and he can't do it like he just feels like gross and guilty about it, it was like I thought it was yeah. a fascinating fascinating scene it's just like oh now I can pretend my wife's somebody different but I haven't even put on more trouble wig so I can butt fuck you please yeah, yeah. <laughs> that scene with Esposito and Mira Servino like in a bathroom I really enjoyed too That's that scene Mira Servino is really good in that scene that was yeah, yeah. she's I incredible I really noticed how good she was in this and I guess she had a hard time on the shoot it sounds like it was a really messy difficult shoot and I guess a Originally, the script was more about the son of Sam. And then there was a lot of victims, families that came out that were like, please don't do that. And then Spike Lee felt pressure to be like, okay, I guess I'll just expand the story to the people in in the city. And it's kind of amazing that it coheres the way that it does. That was like one thing I really noticed on this rewatch. I was like, I don't think this movie is like incoherent, like it's messy thematically but i don't think it's an mm-hmm. incoherent movie i think everything all like fits together i feel like he st- yeah. ultimately tells the story he wants to tell which i just I so. again felt fascinating with the sort of vitriol because people just seemingly fucking hated this movie when it came out i think even more than girl six which was you know probably a more rotten movie from the tomato oh, yeah. meter scale but I feel like it was the small movie that people were just sort of like, eh, it's this little experiment he did, just yeah. sweep it under the rug sort of thing. But this was like a big scene. Yeah, like, it had a lot yeah. more attention around it. It premiered at Cannes. It is a really messy movie. And I, but I don't, I think that most Spike Lee movies are messy. And sometimes yeah. that mess can feel really, honestly, I would say his, I, I would say his tightest movie is probably Inside Man. Like it's a movie. Oh, that yeah. Where it's his one like, like gun for hire movie too. Like it's still his, but, but he like, like he knows how to like it's it's interesting that he does know how to like keep that narrative so tight and like mm-hmm. doesn't really like 
and his documentaries are, from it. are incredibly organized oh yeah when the levees broke uh yeah. you know for yeah. how long and sprawling that is it's so focused and mm-hmm. so strong i think 25th hour is pretty tight too for mm-hmm. like yeah. what you know what it's trying to do it obviously has little tangents and things like that no! shut that dog up no! how can this be i thought i killed you mr black dog how did you get in here? Leave me alone! What do you want? I want you to go out and kill. Kill! 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 I will kill. I will. I'll do anything you say. I'll do anything you say! Yes, master! How do you guys feel about the actual scenes with the son of Sam played by Michael Badalucci. So I, that's what I was going to say. I was like, maybe if he got a shoot like the Berkowitz movie, maybe I would think that it was laughable because and I think that like maybe that is sort of the point is that like the serial killer is never scary because you never really see his face when he's killing someone unless it's a dog. But you get to see his face in the apartment. And you see like how sort of like unthreatening he seems. And I think that's the point. But there's something kind of like cartoonish about him. Like it's like he mm-hmm. could be played by Patton Oswald. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, no, I, I agree. No, 100% agree with that. I was going to say the only two sequences that I mind in regards to the Son of Sam killer are sort of like doing that thing that Spike does best where he's sort of like using the past to call on the present uh, or even the present to call on the future. I think mm-hmm. specifically the scene when the Son of Sam killer is going out and killing and it's underscored by the Yankees Orioles game because number 44 is Reggie Jackson and he's the 44 killer. Right, and right. so like yeah. him sort of narrating that using that game to narrate the sequence that's happening. I really liked that moment. And then the moment at the end underscored to uh, won't get fooled again when Berkowitz is getting taken in and it's, mm-hmm. you know, he's been caught but the mob is still going after Adrian Brody. Right, right. And I feel like that just ties into present day where half the country just we're yeah. in a post-truth world where you could be told the truth and it the facts don't matter. Yeah. People will believe what they want to believe. So I liked those elements, but any of the flashbacks to his apartment and the, the yeah, blocks, the I think. Dog is, talking, the dog oh, talking, the dog talk. Yeah, I understand that, like, yeah, that's what Berkowitz said. He was like, there was a dog named Sam who was my neighbor's dog, and he was telling me to kill and was saying that he was possessed and there was like a satanic thing going on, and then he kind of like like mm, withdrew that and was like, actually, I just don't like women. Yeah, um, he just kept. Yeah, I know. And then that he... he was like, actually, it was really hot out. And then yeah. <laughs> I, and then I was like, is the son of Sam the most relatable serial killer? He's just really hot, and he can't find a parking yeah. spot. His neighbors have no respect. He's just like fuck. <laughs> He's just losing it. <laughs> I was like, man, honestly, I've had nights like that where I obviously haven't gone out and shot people, but where I was just like, God damn it, it's too hot. <laughs> but like this guy's, he's having a bad summer. Mm-hmm. Listen. If I had a dog barking all fucking night and it was 100 degrees and shit, yeah, I'd be pissed off, too. I might, I might get a little crazy. I'm not going to go as far as him, but he's a little stressed out. And he's, super he's relieving some stress by killing some some people making out in their cars. Um, yeah, and the thing is, like, kind of like Zodiac, the kills are actually scary and upsetting. They are really some. well done. They're really, yeah. really, really I, that's scary. Like, that's so peculiar thing about this movie is that like as and i think that like that's maybe the point is that he's supposed to be fangless when he's at home and then really terrifying when he's on the street and like i i like that but as like a viewer i do feel like it 
take something away. I think it's also don't... the actor that they cast. Michael Badalucci is like a Coen Brothers actor. Like, like you might as well have cast like Richard Kind even. You know what I mean? They'd be like, God yeah. damn it. You know? <laughs> I think I, he's he... like too goofy looking and doesn't he... look enough like Berkowitz. He doesn't look like him at all. Yeah. No. Like it would be one thing if like you were like, oh, but undeniably they look alike, but like they don't look that much alike. So have you seen yeah. the episode of Mindhunter with him? Yes, that guy looks like him. Well, that they did a lot of like makeup prosthetics on him to make him look like him, which they did a great job. He looks exactly like him. It's uncanny. But like that show did a really great job with him. Obviously, that's a show that's more about serial killers and, and their psychology. Yeah, the scenes of him at home are so insane. And like the thing with like the children's blocks where he's like spelling out murder. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh. that's the stuff that I just That's like, like CSI shit. Like yeah. that's like murder. shitty TV shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. I was going to say, isn't that funny? Because some uh, is doesn't one of the CSI shows isn't the theme song won't get fooled again to one of the CSI shows? Oh, I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, that shit's goofy. And it, but, but I but love like, that the movie is actually about like whatever is terrifying these people. It, it just becomes the su- summer of Sam. It's like I yeah. I do like that. Like, like I almost wish yeah it was just that, and you just had the scenes of him killing people because you know what I realize is so effective about the scenes where he's killing people. Actually, a lot of the time, the scariest scenes and are the shots that are like documentary style where you're just across the street mm-hmm. and you're just mm-hmm. watching him walk up to somebody and yeah. doing that because it does feel so matter of fact where you're just like oh yeah this guy was just walking or shooting people and that's what I think because it, it makes it yeah. feel so grounded if they made it more om- like omnipresent like that hey here's this force but we can't see it we just mm-hmm. like, get in the shadows like you were saying i think that the movie would have been even more effective and i think it's effective as is because it drives home that idea yeah. that people are just mistrusting but when you show the boogeyman that's that's where like most horror sequels find themselves in a trap it's like now the thing's not scary so you're exactly. taking us out of this thing that is scary because you're showing us this guy who's listening to his dog talk by John Turturro and it's just like super distracting yeah um, <laughs> that one's pretty crazy the the dialogue for the cops is particularly bad those that seems yeah. like scenes that were not improvised those were like the scenes where they were like just stick to the script but like the cops are played by Anthony LaPaglia and, and Roger uh, Guinevere Smith who's like a you know he's always a, good a spike regular regular here he just kind of has to you know, just be a cop. He's coasting. He should have just played his character from Do the Right Thing as a cop. That would have been um, amazing. <laughs> well, like the first like crime scene that they go to when they like get there, the dialogue also feels like it was all like 80 yard or something like that. Cause it's like, it's you're never on them. You just have a shot of the car. And the first line is one of the cops just going, look like somebody died out here tonight. Yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> and then they pick up a letter, the letter from him and the cop just goes, what's this guy? Fucking William Shakespeare. <laughs> 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 Wow, riddle me this, huh? <laughs> they think he's gay for writing them letters. This fucking guy. This guy's writing us poetry. Fuck him. <laughs> Not that scary. Okay, the scene of Languizamo, I understand why it's there, but it's kind of goofy when Languizamo touching goes the up, body. Going up to her, I was like, why would this man do this? Yeah. Why and why are they letting this? Body? Yeah. He's, he's like, yeah, I live around here. And the cop's like, all right, go in there. <laughs> I can see him getting close to it. But yeah, I do think it's like taken too far. He starts like touching but. her face. And then one of the cops is like commenting on like her looks or something. He's like, well, this brought is smoking. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck is going on? That's why they couldn't catch him. All these guys were like, this guy, fuck. Him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's the funniest part too, is that the way that he was caught, they make it seem like the cops had like a big part of it, but it was just his parking tickets. 
Right. It was his parking that, ticket that placed him there. Like a lot of the time, that's like even like with the Night Stalker in LA, like, no, the city caught him. Like people in the city, actual residents fucking chased this guy down and beat the shit out of him and caught him. And then the cops, like there was a documentary about the Night Stalker where the cops were like, yeah, I don't know. You know, we did our job. We got him. It's so fucking stupid. And then, yeah, after seeing the dead body, that's when John Languizamo has like this, this crisis where he's like, I, I got to stop cheating on my wife. I can't do this mm-hmm. anymore, which is really funny. And actually, I would totally buy that this guy would see a dead body and be like, I gotta get my life. Well, because I think that we're led to believe that like when he's fucking her cousin that we later learn in the butt (laughs) and somebody shines his brights on them, like his character believes it was the son of Sam and that he narrowly escaped a son of Sam killing. And like that would have been more scary if we would not know. Yeah, like those things are kept in the dark. I think like because the media circuits behind the Berkowitz arrest, et cetera, and like the dog shit was just not dog shit, like speaking dog, (laughs) the dog stuff was just like like, everybody knows that stuff that I think that he probably felt obligated to put it in whereas something like Zodiac, because we don't know who Zodiac is still, he gets to be a little bit more like ominous and mysterious and he doesn't feel like the need. I mean, no one's made a good Bundy movie. No, they haven't. I don't think there's that the person who made Freeway made one, but I've never seen it. Uh, Is that the one with... um... Oh, it's one of those like straight to video ones. What's the guy who's in it? I gotta look it up. He's like almost a famous person and now he's just on CSI. Actually, that one is kind of good. I take it back. You know which one is not bad is the Dahmer one with Renner. Right, Back fine. The Runner's Runner, but really I'm saying good. Bundy. The Night Stalker one that was straight to DVD also freaked me out as a kid because it was like, again, I think it's more like the implications of the killer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a son of Sam or like the Night Stalker just sitting in his car smoking meth and just being like, I'm going to go into that house. And you're like, yeah. oh, fuck. That's fucking terrifying. That some guy's just driving around smoking crack and is like, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take your skin off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Mark Harmon plays Bundy. Oh, oh, that guy. That one's kind of good because that one is the closest to following the book Stranger Beside Me. Like it feels. Gotcha. Okay. I think that the son of Sam Keller is kind of, listen, he's he's the least spooky looking one. Like BTK, he's scary. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you like, see that guy, you're like, Jesus. Yeah, I did it. The yeah. son of Sam is like, I want, I was curious, you know, I was like, I want to like watch some like documentaries on him maybe just like while I was kind of doing shit around the house and like listen to some podcasts about him just because I knew stuff about him. I didn't know a ton, not like, like Zodiac or something like that. He was also really young, which I didn't realize he was only 23 and he would not know that from the movie because Michael Bottolucci yeah. is like fucking I did not 45. know he was young. I thought he was at least in his 30s. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's 23. And like the whole thing was that he was born to like a poor Jewish immigrant family in Brooklyn. His mom had to give him up for adoption because she was so poor. This other Jewish family adopted him, but they told him that his mom died during childbirth, which fucked him up because then he was like, I think I killed my mom or something. I'm responsible for this. And then his adopted mother, who was apparently like really sweet, died of cancer. And then he just apparently started hearing voices and like lighting shit on fire and then just got like weirder and weirder and more and more like antisocial was like a big guy so people like kind of picked on him and then he ended up becoming like a bully too where he was like bullying people just yeah it was like super antisocial and then just fucking i guess he was a he was a postal worker you, you would not know that this man had a job that he was going to by this movie yeah that was my um, other question too it's like how did he have apartment how you live here <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah when you look at it like the photos online of his apartment like he did write on all the walls and he was like punching holes in the walls and shit like that it wasn't quite as like gro- like comically like grotesque i guess that is how when he was arrested he was like wow you got me 
like they he was yeah, like, he kind of looks stoked yeah he's like it's me it's sam he's like am i gonna go <laughs> see the circus like he's like <laughs> well yeah, a lot of the times those guys do want to get caught and they just you know mm-hmm. are waiting for you to do it and then it's like a relief in a way i don't know yeah he's still alive he's still in jail he's still doing interviews but yeah he was like i you know the devil possessed me and then everybody was freaked out about that and then it was like actually i kind of just don't like women um, how many people did he kill in total it is definitely a lot. It wasn't like, I, I think it was kind of, listen, I think his number, they were kind of rookie numbers for <laughs> standards. Let's be real here. But, uh, <laughs> what is this natural born killers? Come on, uh, did, did I, did right? I Manson's numbers? <laughs> he killed six people and wounded 11. Okay. Wait, who did he stab in 1975? What? Oh, he's claimed when he was 22, he committed his first attack on Christmas Eve when he used a honey knife to stab two women. Oh, Jesus. It's really dark. Jesus, man. Yeah, you would not really get that from this movie that, you know, you don't really get a lot about the guy outside of like, this guy's crazy and a dog is talking to him. But like, do the right thing. This movie does do a really good job of conveying just like the stickiness of mm-hmm. a really hot summer and how crazy that makes people, especially when they're fucking just doing a bunch of drugs and dancing. Yeah, I love the scene in particular and i'm probably a little biased because it's it this is a very dad answer but it's one of my favorite songs of all time is bob o'reilly so like i love mm-hmm. the bob oh, o'reilly yeah. sequence but i love the sort of like you know everyone's mad at adrian brody for this lifestyle that he's living that's different it's like oh you fucking weirdo like this is so fucking yeah weird. all what he's are you doing, doing is like having a bad so band weird. just like yeah. let him live <laughs> all he's doing is having a band and enjoying the who and yeah he's doing some sex work on the side but like i love that scene how juxtaposed everyone else is doing fucking drugs and doing all yeah. this mm-hmm. shit that also is either countercultural or different and so it just sort of underscores their own hypocrisy oh, yeah. uh, by the end and i was gonna say just briefly back to that idea of like if we didn't see the son of sam killer i feel like that would have even the ending i think yeah. is impactful but i think it would have strengthened it because like like wasamo tries the whole time to like be like no 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 like he's okay he's okay he's like almost sticking up for him but like if there was that lingering idea like to the audience that there's like an idea in his head that's like maybe this guy is the son of sam killer but this is the craziest thing about this movie to me actually is that i'm sorry (laughs) i know these guys are stupid they're stupid but i'm like if a man who looked like adrian brody in this movie right 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 serial killer You'd point him out immediately. Someone had identified like, him. Here's like, the thing. You wouldn't just be like, he's a white guy with a comb, like kind of like comb brown hair. He's kind of like a big guy. You would be like, he's tall and skinny and has Liberty spikes <laughs> and a dog collar around his neck <laughs> and a British flag t-shirt. I can definitely identify this man to you. These guys are so stupid. They're like, what if it's Richie? He literally just draws spikes on a composite sketch in the newspaper. And then Dude, that is funny. almost like, yeah. oh my God, that's yes. my best friend. <laughs> or there's that scene when the diner where they're like watching the Yankees game and they're like, you know who I think the killer is? Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it's like. That's what I mean. I think I think it's kind of a goof. Like here's the other thing. Like, I don't know if they actually think it's Richie or if they really just want to beat Richie up. I think they just want to do hate I just want to be honest. I think that they just yeah. want to do hate I think crimes. it's like a Saturday yeah. Night Fever thing where it's like these guys are actually just like really bad people who are like, let's go out and do hate crimes. I think they want to do hate crimes and like they can link it to like them believing that he's a son of Sam. But I have yeah. a hard time believing that they actually believe that. Yeah. And one of them is like, I think it could be that priest from our childhood that was like really mean to us. I love that scene though, where they shake. Yeah, that was nice. yeah. That's Sorry, a good father. sequence where they just are like telling a bunch of people that they can't go out. Yeah, they're like slashing tires and they're like, what the fuck, man? And they're like, sorry, you're not killing tonight. Yeah. Like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about? I'm Starting hungry. this like neighborhood watch. <laughs> yeah. The dumbest neighborhood watch. Have you ever seen this movie called Fighting Back? 
from 1980 um, no. with uh, Tom Skerritt. It's like a death wish. It's almost a parody. <laughs> Tom of Skerritt. No, seriously, you guys need to check this movie out. It's what also it rotten. Fighting back. Um, oh, wow, it does. Oh, look is amazing. it like one of the vigilante movies from? The it movie? is, yeah. but I think it's also kind of a parody of it like i watched it i'm like there's no way they're not thinking this isn't like a, a parody of like a death wish knockoff as opposed to being a straight right. yeah, um, these guys are like doing their like it's like italian american death wish these guys also <laughs> i'm like what are you doing for a living right now i know you sell drugs but like what are these other guys doing like um, Ligazon is a hairdresser but like all these other guys just sit around the the fucking neighborhood by the dead end sign and talk smack to yeah. one another it's like what are you yeah. doing <laughs> they're like let's go out and fucking kill somebody tonight they go to mm-hmm. cbgb i love when they see the guy in the street who's like yelling at them and they're like listen buddy you're drunk we're gonna give you a break and then i love this like who's your favorite baseball team the like, red socks the red yeah. socks and instantly they're like kill him yeah <laughs> <laughs> beat the shit out of this guy <laughs> oh one of my low-key like favorite Leguizamo moments is when he's talking to adrian brody and adrian brody's like i'm playing a show at cbgb and he's like what and he's like CBGB and he pretends to know what that is. And he's like, ah, CBGB. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, so good. That's CBGB. right before the, the bathroom scene between Jeff yes. Rosario mm-hmm. and, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Where she's asking her, like, how do I please my husband? And she's like, well, number one, you can't be his wife. Yeah. <laughs> I love when they go to CBGB too. And, and they're like driving by and there's some like black woman outside with a shaved head. Who's like waggling her tongue going, you scared. <laughs> It's like the stereotypical, like what a white person thinks that like area is, which I yeah. think I'm sure Spike did that as a goof for sure. But it's just like that. Yeah, they're like, I don't want to fucking go in here. That's when he tells me, you know, he's like, you know, do you want to leave? If you want to leave? We'll leave. And she's like, yeah, I want to leave. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. So yeah. And then instead so they go to an orgy. Well, you because know. they can't get into Studio 54. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these guys are like, let's go to an orgy. And they do a bunch of drugs. And then Mira Sorvino gets fucked by another guy, which enrages John Linguizamo. <laughs> Did that guy fuck you better than me? What are you talking about? I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk about that. Fucking embarrassed about that he fucked you better than me? I did it for you. You did it for me. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. You did it for me. Did you like it for me? Did you fucking come for me, huh? Was that for me? That was the pills. That was the coke. Don't blame the fucking pills, you fucking lesbian fucking whore. Don't fucking do that shit. You were there too. You're a fucking whore. I can't be a whore because I'm a man, okay? You're the fucking whore, you stupid lesbian fucking whore. And you're a faggot fucking hairdresser. Get the fuck out of the car. You get the fuck out. Fucking make me sick, you fucking slut. I am a slut! You calling me a slut? You low-life piece of fucking shit! You fucked my cousin! You didn't think I knew about that. I smelled the pussy juice all over your fucking face! You fucking sick bastard! How dare you! And all this time I'm thinking there's something wrong with me! That scene was apparently entirely improvised, including the part, unfortunately, where he spits in her face, which she did not. Yeah, I heard that. Oh, really? Yeah. She's been not so happy about that. That's something you gotta you gotta let warm. You gotta let them yeah. like yeah. Hey, I'm we can have boundaries and stuff like that. But yeah, Spike was telling I guess Spike Lee told him he's like spit in her face. Not not great. John Linguizamo has that amazing line where she calls him a whore and he's like, I can't he's like, I'm not a whore, I can't be a whore because I'm a man. You're a whore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man can't be a whore. No, that's a that's a really great fucking scene. And then she steals the car and and, and takes she off. doesn't steal those car, it's her car. Oh, he's like, oh, get yeah. out of the car. The- and she was like, You get out of my car. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She takes the guard just drives back and leaves him in the middle of like a cemetery the scene where they actually do have sex which looks like the worst sex dude mm-hmm. 
Oh man, yeah. yeah it's he's so just like bland. laying on her, like <laughs> violently thrusting into her. She's really good. I that was like a big takeaway for me this time. I was like, oh man, I didn't realize how she's great so Sorbino is in this. I've never seen the movie she won the Oscar for, Mighty Aphrodite. The, the, oh, you ne- never you? have? I haven't either. Uh-uh. Oh, no. is good. it good? Yeah. Okay. It's really good. She's great. Romy I mean, and Michelle. Now she's in Sound of Freedom for is she really? that's right. She is. Yeah. Is she one she wanted them too. Nah, she probably just, just needs the money. She had some rough, not like rough things but just like blackballed i think she correct was. Me if I'm wrong there's like the harvey weinstein thing like denying him and so she sort of got blackballed for that and okay. so i think she's just just a working actress so i don't i don't think she's a nut job like jim caviezel i just know that i know knowledge, of yeah maybe who the fuck knows when the dog started talking it should have just been the dog and road trip that's talking to the old <laughs> i'm fucking horny i mean it would have fit with the rest of this movie <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess my my issue with Summer Sam is that like a lot of Spike Lee movies, it is very unfocused at times. And I think that it kind of overstays its welcome. I think it's just like it gets to a point where it's like the blackout almost or the brownout, whatever, almost feels mm-hmm. like it should be the climactic thing. And then yeah. it kind of like keeps pushing. It just becomes like very chaotic and like its focus is not really quite there. And then it just has such a limp ending. Yeah. Like I think if it had a better ending... Who's the guy who's narrating it in the beginning? Oh, the, the guy that he really sent name. letters to, Jimmy Breslin. So Jimmy Breslin was the real guy that worked for the Daily News that the the son of Sam had sent a letter to, and so they have him kind of like open and and and, and bookend the movie. But it, it's just like such a weird ending because it's just like after all this, it just cuts to him in New York. New York is playing the guys like, like there's a million different stories in this city, and that's one of them. Bada bing, the end. Yeah, the story, <laughs> like, the city that I love and I hate in equal measure. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, goodbye. <laughs> You should yeah, have just that, jumped into the river. Good night. <laughs> well, especially yeah. like, especially like, you know, I already mentioned the point of how Spike draws the past to the present and how good yeah. he's like, you know, through, whether it's the ending of Malcolm X or the ending mm-hmm. of Black Klansman, like he's he's really good at that. So it's really surprising here that he sort of just like peters out and doesn't do anything like with that. It's it's yeah. really strange. Because if it ended with them being like, get off of Adrian and Brody, they found the real son of Sam, you fucking idiots. Like, that would have been fine, right? Oh, yeah, they would have ended with Some him like, bloodied in there, like, yeah. bloodied on the streets, uh, you know, being consoled by his mom and stepdad. Mm-hmm. Like, that would end it there. They're, like, also, that I love been... his mom and stepdad. That just, oh, like, oh, had fuck so bad. And Mike they had to move him out to the... Yeah. Yeah, Mike Star yeah, fucking move... was something I wasn't prepared for the first time I saw it, this But movie. it's sick. <laughs> I love Mike Star, man. I think most of us probably know him from Dumb and Dumber as the guy that's sent to Richard The gas man. Mm-hmm. The gas man who's in the car with him going, guys, guys! <laughs> I always think of him in On Deadly Ground when he gets his arm broken by uh, Steven Seagal. Oh, fuck, and, that's right. And he does that monologue and he's like, what does it take to change the measure of a man? He's like, I need time to change. <laughs> Mike Starr is great, man. He, he's so good. He's really underrated. Patty LuPone's great in it, too. She's also she in is. that Fighting Back yeah. movie I was just telling you about. Oh, wow. She's she yes. Garrett's wife in it. So, but yeah, she's great. You gotta stop fighting back. It's so much. <laughs> yeah, they just want to fuck and their son keeps yeah. coming home unannounced. I get it. I get it. I get I kind of wish that it, even if the movie had like a really powerful like close up ending because this movie has so many amazing close ups of Leguizamo in particular. There's a lot of shots of him outside smoking mm-hmm. um, where he's kind of looking right past camera where like he's so just kind of like sticky. He just really holds a close up so well in this. And I do like, you know, at the end, he's just like doing coke and his wife has left him and he's just like, I don't have friends. I fucking suck at everything. Mm-hmm. 
it's also really weird when they're trying to get him to go to Richie's house to like get him outside so they can beat his ass. Mm-hmm. Michael Raspoli, who plays like the lead of the the vigilante crew or whatever. I don't know why he's like, he's like, I'll fuck you where you breathe. He says that at one point. I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> You're going to fuck him in the mouth? Right, is that, 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 wait, wait, you want to fuck me? <laughs> what else is there? There's the Terrence Blanchard score, which also sounds a lot like the 25th hour score. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I really like the dancing stuff at the beginning. Like I like when yeah. Rick Savino and John Lugazama go to the club, how there's that cutaway to like nobody being there and it's just them. Like I thought that was like such a beautiful, like spikely flourish that sure. really does like put his thumbprints on the movie. I think I like this movie more than you, Max, because like I think I like that it's like kind of like dabbling in being two genres, but like refusing to be either. And then like referencing all these like old movies with also like, no, I like, like I, I like Summer of Sam. I think okay. it just, I wish it was like a little more focused. Yeah, yeah me too. I wish a, it was a little less goofy in parts, but yeah, I guess it's, it's also like the post boogie nights effect where I'm assuming it's like a lot of studios mm-hmm. were like, what's our seventies, like disco movie. And like you get 54, but even like style, like fashion was like also kind of, I mean, that 70s show is like a weird artifact. Yeah, that 70s show. Yeah. Yeah. Early I think 2000s. that aired the same year as Detroit this. Rock I think City. it started in yeah. Detroit, Detroit Rock City. City. Oh, yeah. We get Party Monster and Wonderland both in 2003 mm. that are like true crime disco-y era movies. 24-hour um, party people fits in there oh, somewhere. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think that becomes like a bigger part of this. It was crazy too. Like I watched some old like news reels on YouTube that you can see of like her Aldo Rivera in New York doing specials on on the Son of Sam. And it looks very uncannily like the movie. Like it is like the wardrobe. Everything is pretty much like well done to a T. And it's always just fascinating, I feel like, to watch people from a time where there wasn't always a camera put in front of them, where they don't really Mm -hmm. quite know how to behave on camera, like talking about something like that. Parting thoughts, Ryan? No, I mean, I, I like this movie quite a bit. And, like it really clicked on the second viewing because the first time I saw it, I, I liked it. I found it, of course, mm-hmm. messy in that spike way of we as we've sort of mentioned here. But like, I feel like watching it the second time, it's like it really did click for me. And it, it just also just made me just not quite understand the the hate for the movie, um, which is why I love you guys are doing this series for, uh, you know, unappreciated like auteur work. I don't think it's any less messy than like Jungle Fever or Girl Six or, you know, any of that stuff. And so it's, it's kind of sure. surprising that this was messy with so much disdain and it's also kind of that turning point where like i think we alluded to at the beginning of the episode people kind of started to turn on spike for yep. for a while like you know yep. bamboozled was really not well liked even though i think that's a great fucking movie that's one of the um, best movies yeah i yeah. love it so much but i i understand it can't, comes on like a lightning rod so i get where people were upset about it but i guess 25th hour maybe got back in the good graces yeah but then that was that weird yeah, 25th like, did yeah. yeah 25th was like definitely well received and then inside man was a hit but then it was a weird Weird period of like Miracle St. Anna, uh, which is an interesting movie, but it's yeah. pretty messy. That's messier it's than this bad, one for though. sure. The good stuff's good, but the bad stuff's really bad in that movie. And then there was uh Old the, Boy remake is in there somewhere. It's um, in there. The, the Sweet Blooded Jesus. The Sweet Blooded Jesus. Yeah. Chirac, Reboot. which I like better than Max. Yeah, I like Chirac. Red um, Summer. There's a bunch. He's, and he's gonna keep going. Really don't like the five bloods. Not a fan oh, of yeah. Five Bloods, but I do wish Delroy got recognition for it because he's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, my least favorites are, are I think Old Boy, Miracle at St. Anna, Jungle Fever, and, and Defy Bloods. I think those are like she hate me. Oh, as is she, I, she hate me is my bottom. I don't one. hate. Yeah, she hate, hate me oh, is man. like bottom. I think it's because fucking... even at the end of the day, an old way re- remake is weird. It's just like, why did you want? She to? hate me is bad, but it's I think so it's fascinatingly despicable. Bad. 
and it's boring. I think that's my biggest thing about She-Hate. Yeah, I think it's boring, insidious, and terrible. The only thing that really sticks out is that it's partially because it's kind of a funny visual and partially because it looks cheap and bad is all the faces of Anthony Mackie on the stone. I remember that. That's funny. The old remake is terrible, but I at least remember how he handles the twist in it and the flashback was... I was cackling in the movie. Oh, it's I, so I was like, I kind of am a defender of it just because I think this? it's a crazy thing to do. So. And Charlotte anyway, Copley's anyway. so bad in it. He no. fucked it. He <laughs> fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Spike is one of those guys where it's like, it's an easy answer, but do the right thing really probably is like the number one movie, yeah. I think, of his career. And, and then that or Malcolm X or like where I was going to say Malcolm X is up there. Forth. Yeah, bamboozled, bamboozled is my number two, but um, and I and I do, but love yeah, do the right thing. But that's like do the right thing might be like the best movie ever made, or like it's in the yeah. conversation, so it's it's hard. Shit, and that's why I saw the dead bodies right there. You know what? God spared me. He spared me, man, because he's a fucking omen. No, I'm serious. He fucking he let me go. You know what the fuck could this mean? God has got nothing to do with this, Vin. Oh come on, Richie. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. God is telling me. You shouldn't be doing these things with your wife. That's what he's telling me. What things? Oh, come on, don't be stupid, you know. What? No butt-fucking. 69, doggy style. And that's the message. God is saying, you got to cut that shit out. Oh, you got to cut it out. Otherwise, uh, you know, I'm not going to spare you the next time. That's what God's telling me. So we got the critics here at 50%. He's had worse days. Lisa Schwartzbaum of Entertainment Weekly said Spike Lee noisily attempts to place the hunt for real-life serial killer David Berkowitz at the center of a hot-headed sociological fantasy linking disco glitz, punk rebellion, ethnic insularity, sexual craving, and sizzling heat into one rattling chain of urban hysteria. David Edelstein at Slate said Spike Lee is a virtuoso filmmaker, as a wizard at selling a sequence, but he'll never make an entirely coherent movie until he learns to go deeper into his subjects instead of wider with them. David Anson of Newsweek said Summer Sam, for all its flash and well-crafted fury, is only superficially disturbing. It's a nightmare stroll down memory lane. Feel bad nostalgia. (laughs) (laughs) So these are some more positive reviews. Ella Taylor said, brilliant, goofy, vindictive, incoherent, and compassionate. Summer of Sam begins as a work of startling ambition, spins out of control, and finally limps to a bland halt. Sarah Vowell of Salon said, an urban, epic, a noisy, swirling, flawed, hilarious, witty, tender, violent, questionable train wreck. And finally, Michael Wilmington of Chicago Tribune gave it an A. He said, this is a terrific movie, jolting, savage, horrifically funny, nightmarishly exciting, but also brainy and compassionate. I don't know if I would say this movie's brainy, but that's okay. I don't fault it for that. It's like Linguizamo. It's not, you know, it's not the brightest, but it's pretty magnetic and electric when it's on. Who's everyone's MVP? I think it's Mira. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I loved Linguizamo, but yeah. I was torn between the three leads because they're all very they're all good good in it because there were times where I was like maybe it really is Adrian Brody maybe he really is the breakout I think Adrian Brody's really good in the scenes where he's just with John Leguizamo like kind of listening to him or he's like yeah I don't know mm-hmm. man like where he's listening to him talk about his marriage and Mira Sorvino has those two incredible scenes I think Leguizamo is my MVP just because he's he has to carry most of the movie he carries it man and his he just has such a fucking magnetic uh, energy in it yeah and, he has it um, yeah listen he improvised his way into being the lead of the movie so yeah can't argue that and we i'm always happy to, to have a leguizamo movie on here so. me too i haven't um, got a chance to listen to it but on the kino lorber blu-ray there is a commentary by spicy yeah, and John oh, okay. leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah so i wanted to listen to it prior to hopping on but just never got a chance to, to do it but Whoops. i'll definitely check that out 
Did Spike Lee direct Leguizamo's stand-up special? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I want to say he did. For he did the original Kings of Comedy. I know that. Now I got to look that up. Yeah, he did Freak, the 98 special. Oh. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Freak's good fun. I don't think this is a misfire for Spike. No, it's like Canon Spike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's I cool. went through, I think it was in 2020, I went through his filmography from beginning to end, or at least his narrative mm-hmm. filmography. I haven't seen every documentary and every, I've seen the big ones. But when I got to Summer of Sam, like, even though I was more mixed on it than I was this viewing, I still felt the same way then of like, oh, yeah, this fits perfectly within his films. Like, I don't see anything here that's same. that's out of yeah. place or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a top 10 spike for sure. I think it's definitely, yeah. for all its messiness, absolutely worth watching too, if you haven't seen it. It is not streaming, I don't think. No, yeah, no. I rent it. I had I have the Kino. I'm Lover sure you Blu-ray. have the yeah. I have yeah. the Kino Lobo Blu-ray. Ryan it. and I both understand. We respect <laughs> Spike. We respect movies. But no, Summer Sam is worth renting if you have not seen it. Ryan, thank you for coming back. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Yeah, please come back soon. Please tell people where they can find you though. Yeah, you could find me at the good, the bad, and the what uh, podcasts. We're available on all podcatchers, pretty much. So whether you, you're a Apple person, Spotify person, doesn't matter. You can find me there. Um, not on a lot of social media these days, just given the general everything going on yeah. there. But uh, I am on Threads at Riley ninety R Y O L I E ninety. You can you're find on Threads. Me there. I'm on Threads. Our, I'm first, thread- our first guest to be threatened. I'm threading it up, baby. How so Threads? It's fine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? Letterboxd is probably the best place you can find me. Ryan underscore Oliver. Especially if you're looking for some some horror movies, I think that um, some underappreciated horror movies, you'll always get some good recs from Ryan. Uh, Appreciate that. All right. And per usual, thank you for listening. If you are listening on Apple, Spotify, any of those apps, please don't forget to rate and review. Drop us a little, you know, a little a little five-star review is always helpful. Spread the word any way you can. If you are listening on Patreon, we cannot thank you enough. A very special shout out to our top subscribers, Victoria Kruger, Royce Burke, Andrea Ferris, ASR, Ben Beaky, Devin Hansen, Arrow, Saino, Jeannie Onorell, Constant Carino, Graham Redman, Neil Fuller, Matthew Hayes, Alex Colpin, Brittany Barker, Brody Anderson, Eric Hockman, J.D. Yankowski, Madeline Dugan, mary Caitlin Koiski, Nick Laskin, and Ryan Oliver. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Out here in the fields Make me gay.